For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hey, 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 welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what in the world works with social media. I hope that's you. I'm so excited about today's show. We've got a really excellent lineup. I'm going to be interviewing Derek Halpern from Social Triggers, and we're going to talk about persuasion and psychology, a topic that I'm very passionate about. You may not know, but I actually have a master's degree and undergraduate degree in speech, so this is like going back to my roots. We're going to talk about how persuasion and psychology plays into social media marketing. But before, um, and I've also got a great great new tool that I want to mention to you that I've discovered recently. Before I get into that, something happened recently with my 10-year-old daughter. And for those of you that are parents that are listening, um, I just want to share this little story. Uh, she came up to me and she said, um, Dad, I, I want to read your book, your first book. And my first book was called Writing White Papers. And I'm all, honey, are you sure you want to read it? It's probably not going to be nearly as exciting as Harry Potter. And she's all, no, Dad, you don't understand. I want to be a writer, dad, and I want to write, read your book to learn how to become a writer. And man, I got to tell you, I was like, how I wish I could be 10 again. How cool is it to see our children have a passion about something and really want to go crazy with it? She's been working on ideas for her book and I told her I'm going to take her to the bookstore and get her some real books uh, on how to, to write so she can really learn how to do story and stuff like that. But it is just so encouraging, and I just want to encourage those of you that are parents out there, and even if you're not a parent but you know somebody with young kids, these kids are so impressionable, and I think it's one of our greatest callings uh, to steward our children and to help them uh, become better, and I just wanted to share that little story with you. It was so cool. All right, so now what I'd like to do is share with you um, a pretty cool tip about a brand new app that I've recently discovered. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. Okay, so um, I was listening to Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answerman.com, and he was talking about this app called Tweetbot. And um, it's a Twitter app. And, you know, there's a lot of Twitter apps out there, and I've been using uh, the Twitter app by Twitter for the longest time. But then Cliff mentioned a couple capabilities of this app that, frankly, blew me out of the water. And I said, okay, I've got to go over to the app store and I've got to buy this app. So here's what TweetBot does that I think is absolutely brilliant. It allows you to do everything that you normally can do on any other Twitter app. But the killer feature is the ability to filter out, filter out. Yes, I said filter out tweets. So if you manage a Twitter account uh, or your personal Twitter account, and most of it is if you will, 
muddied up or noised up by all sorts of stuff going on in the stream. Uh, for example, a lot of people are using these apps where they automatically mention your Twitter ID in there. Um, obviously, a lot of people might be retweeting your stuff. Um, what's cool is you can filter out tweets. And let me tell you how we use this. At Social Media Examiner, which is our SM Examiner Twitter account, we get a lot of activity. Uh, as a matter of fact, we get well over a thousand tweets a day. So you can imagine filtering through all that stuff can be really time consuming. TweetBot allows me to say anything that has an RT in it, anything that has a VIA in it. And I can set all these custom filters, do not display it in this particular app. What this allows me to do is essentially focus on the tweets that matter in my Twitter stream. For example, people that are complaining about something that happened or people that are trying to ask a question or people that are just saying, hey, really love what you're doing. So um, I've been an avid user of TweetBot for a few weeks now. I think I paid 99 cents for the thing. It wasn't very much at all. Uh, it might have been a couple bucks. Um, but check it out. TweetBot in the App Store on uh, Apple. I don't think they have anything yet for the Android. Uh, and if there is a similar app that you found that does something like this uh, for the Android, I would love it if you would leave a note in the show notes, which you can find at socialmediaexaminer.com slash eight, which is just the number eight. So that's my quick tip of the day. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Now what I'd like to do is transition to today's interview. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. Folks, I am so excited to be joined by Derek Halpern. He's the founder of Social Triggers. This is the website you want to go to if you want to learn about how to drive more traffic and more leads and more sales for your business. Today, we're going to talk about something that I think Derek is a true expert at, psychology and persuasion. This is an area that I have a lot of personal interest, and this is an area that Derek has invested a lot of energy in. We're going to talk about persuasion and psychology and kind of how it all applies to social media marketing and content marketing. Derek, how are you doing today? Hey, what's up, Mike? Thanks for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure. So um, let's start with this first question about word choices. I know that you're a big proponent of choosing the right kinds of words to kind of guide people down a path. Can you kind of explain a little bit about why certain words help versus certain words hurt when it comes to marketing? Yeah, so actually Mark Twain really said it best when he was like, uh, the difference between the almost right word and the right word is really a large matter. It's the difference between the lightning bug and the lightning. Mm. All right. He really nailed that home. And when it comes to marketing, that still holds up. The difference between the right word can make sales. The wrong word can repel sales. And to really drive this home, actually, um, maybe a couple months ago, I had the language expert, Michael Fishbin, on my podcast, Social Triggers Insider, where we talked about what I now call wallet-closing words. And in that discussion, Michael mentioned three words that people tend to use that actually repel people. And those three words were lecture, teach, and learn. Okay, so hold on a second here. Yeah. So, so what I hear you saying is the words lecture, teach, and learn 
actually repel people when it comes to trying to lead them down the path to a sale. Is that correct? Yes. And this is what Michael really elaborated on because those three words have a negative connotation associated with it. I mean, think of it like this. Who likes to be lectured by someone? I don't. Do you like to be lectured? Heck no. Yeah. So when you use the word like lecture, it puts people in a place of defensiveness. Now, what he then went on to say was Michael was, went on to say that instead of using a word like, oh, I'm going to teach you or I'm going to lecture you on or I'm going to learn how to, you could say something as simple as I'm going to share this new insight with you. And that comes from a place of community and helping as opposed to this place of negativity is what Michael was elaborating on. Now, to really drive this home, that's only really part of the story. You know, those are three words that can repel customers. But as I said, there are words that can actually turn random visitors into sales as well. And when it comes to selling products and services, using those right words is extremely important. And to really just drive that home, there's the, the one example where just the, other, just the other day, I was talking to a friend of mine, and we were having a quick little conversation, and he used the word druthers in the conversation with me. Druthers, and he, okay. he was trying to sell me on an idea when he used this word druthers. And I was like, wait a second, man. I don't know what the word druthers means. Neither and do I. I've heard it, but I have no clue <laughs> the context. Exactly. So I had to stop him dead in his tracks mid-pitch to then explain to me what this druthers word meant. And what did it mean? It just meant, you know, my preference or my way, mm. right? And I'm just like, well, why did you use the word druthers when you could have just used the word my preference? You just derailed your whole pitch. I had to stop and derail your pitch just so I could understand what you were trying to say to me. Well, when it comes to selling online, when you start using these types of words, words like druthers or other types of jargon words. Acronyms. You can, you can actually derail your prospects. And online, you, people have a short attention span. So if you derail a prospect online, they're not going to stop you, call up your f phone and be like, hey, man, can you explain this word to me? No, they're going to leave your site and never come back. So, Derek, what are some of the words that do get people to maybe want to dig a little deeper? That do get people to buy. So look at it like this, like the words like share gets people in a position of receiving, right? But when you really want to get people to buy whatever it is you're selling, it's not really about the one word because there is no one word that gets people to buy, right? But there are words that are right for your audience. And you can find those words by mining your customer support requests, mining the customer comments on your website, mining the customer messages on Twitter, and just see the types of words that people use to describe the problem that you're trying to solve. I actually did this with... Uh, with social triggers, for example, I always encourage people on my blog to reply to my emails and tell me the problems that they have. Now, in reality, most people have very similar problems. However, however, people always describe their problems using the words that they understand. And just, just a couple of weeks ago, I uncovered this new insight that a lot of bloggers were telling me that they were running a blog and they felt like their blog was invisible, hmm. right? There's a ton of people who use this word invisible. I would have never have thought to describe a blog without traffic 
as an invisible blog, but I was mining this data by getting people to reply to my emails and I was able to then pull that data into my copy or into my sales pages or into my sales materials. Just so I guess what I'm saying is there's no one word that's right for everyone, but you've got to go through your own customer data to see the words that are right for your customers. Before I ask my next question, um, you know, you're bringing the copywriter in me out. I recall, um, you know, our organization is all about teaching, frankly. Um, all the events that people come to are educational, and we try not to use the word learn either. And a wise man a long time ago said, discover is a much more positive word to use because people love discoveries. <laughs> and um, that's a word we started using, and I think it works. So, uh, you know, I think there's something to what you're saying here. Now, let's step back for a second or maybe step to the side. Talk to me about psychology and social media. Derek, what's the connection between social media marketing and psychology, if there is any at all? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll tell you why I love this question so much. Because the social media space, and this is the nature of the social media space, right? Is there's always these new tools. Every few months, there's a new tool that's going to be the big hit. Like this year, Pinterest is the big hit. Last year, Quora was a big hit. There's always these new tools that are up and coming, right? But what do all these tools have in common? People need to use those tools, right? These tools are ways to talk to people. So what do all these tools have in common? People need to use them. You're not, you're simply using, like you're, you're updating your Twitter account, but you're not really Twittering. You're just talking to your customers. You're talking to people. So what's the connection? The connection is that no matter what you're doing, social media is always about the people. Even if the tools change, the people are not going to change. So that's why psychology is vitally important because if you understand those people, you can mix and match the tools as they come out to communicate with those people. I love what you're saying because I think what I hear you saying is human nature essentially is human nature. And regardless of whether or not someone is communicating face-to-face -face or over the telephone or via Facebook, there are certain psychological um, psychological concepts that if we understand them, they can be applicable to any social network. Um, that's really what I hear you saying. Would you say that's accurate? Yes. And uh, Dan Kennedy said it best, right? He said, uh, people are people are people. Your customers are not different than my customers. As much as you want to think they're different, they're still people. They've got the same needs and desires as everybody else. You got that, uh, I think it's a Depeche Mode song now running in my head, People Are People. I'm going to have to figure out how to work that in here. Um, let's talk about content strategy. The, I want to talk to you, Derek. I want to know what your content strategy is. I know you don't publish podcasts every week. I know you don't blog every day. I know you have a slightly different and unique strategy. So please reveal, what is your content strategy? Yeah, so most people think that blogging and creating content is all about being in people's inboxes, in their face all of the time. And you know what? It works. I'm not going to knock what works. I do the exact opposite. I don't publish that often. As a matter of fact, over the last 18 months, I started Social Triggers in March of 2011. And over the course of 18 months, I took that from a new site to tens of thousands of subscribers. And I only averaged about 2.7 blog posts per month. So I don't publish that often, and I'll tell you why. My goal with Social Triggers is to teach people how to get traffic, leads, and sales for their business, right? 
Now, I could create as much content as possible, and that would be great for search engines. I would get a lot more traffic. However, however, my goal with my articles is to get people to actually implement my advice. That's my main goal because if I get people to use my advice and they get results from my advice, they're going to be a loyal reader of social triggers forever because they're getting results. Now, if I update my site every day of the week or multiple times per week, how, I mean, people are pressed for time. How can I expect people to implement these new strategies and new tactics if I'm giving them something new to do every day of the week? I can't expect them to do that. I'm actually gonna, if I did that, people would spend all their time consuming what I'm saying as opposed to doing what I'm asking them to do. So Derek, since you're not frequently using content, tell me about when you do use content, obviously it's gotta be damn good, right? (laughs) Because it's gotta be memorable. So what's the strategy when you actually do create content beyond just the frequency? Yeah, so when I'm actually creating the content, I, I refrain from creating list posts. You know, things like, uh, have, you've probably seen this, 27 tips to use Pinterest in 2012, right? Sure, we do that stuff all the time. It's like that, what happens? You'll go and read the comments section, and, we'll, and what will you see? You'll see people leave comments like, nice list, I'll bookmark it. Then they'll stumble on another list post, 23 tips to getting more search engine traffic. And they'll go to that blog post. They'll say, nice list. I'll bookmark it. And then what happens? They bookmark 27 million different links. They got 400 million tips and they think to themselves, how am I going to implement all this stuff? I just said, nice list. I'll bookmark it to 4 million different articles. You know what? Bookmark bankruptcy. They delete all their bookmarks. They don't remember your site. They don't remember what you said. Nothing. I, on the other hand, when I create content, I try to get people to take one single action, all right? Forget list posts. I give them one single tip, and then I walk them through exactly how to implement that single tip. That way, when they're done reading that blog post, they're so fired up that they think, you know what? It's only one little thing to do today. I'm going to close down this blog post. I'm going to implement it right now. If they do it, they're going to get the results they're going to be loyal readers of social triggers for life. So that's kind of my mindset with writing articles. Excellent. Um, Talk to me a little bit about your strategy when it comes to your podcast. Yeah. So that's another great, because I I have a podcast that I launched earlier this year, and I try to release at least one podcast episode per month. And the podcast episode, I mean, we're, we're both in the social media space, right? And I launched my site, Social Triggers, last year when there was loads of different social media marketing websites out there. So what I wanted to do with my podcast was bring some new talent into the world of social media marketing. And this new talent wasn't necessarily social media marketers. They were academic researchers who studied psychology because as we talked about earlier, psychology, knowing psychology is vital for succeeding with social media. So I bring these psychology experts from, they're either New York Times bestselling authors, professors at top universities, or world-renowned researchers, and I pull them onto my podcast. I get them to divulge all of this research and information from their studies And then I break it down into actionable tips for people who are trying to use the web to generate traffic leads and sales. So 
the strategy with the podcast is to bring new blood into the mix, introduce people to new names. That way people feel like they're learning about new people and they're actually learning something new as opposed to reading an article about how often they should update their blog for the 40 millionth time, as an example. Well, and Derek, I mean, I do want to encourage everybody to go check out your um, your podcast, Social Triggers, I believe it's called, right? Um, I love it. I love the podcast. I think it's spectacular. Um, I, I, I'm a regular listener, and I encourage people to, to check it out. Um, I, I want to ask you a couple other questions. Um, you, wrote, you wrote a blog post recently about how should marketers look at and learn from the lessons of their competitors. So I'd like you to elaborate a little bit more about why anyone should even study their competition in the first place. Yeah, so there's a fine line between copying your competition and from innovating from your competition. And I, and I like to look at it like this. I like to look at my competition, see what's working for them, and then figure out how I can either make it better or make it irrelevant. All right, there's other people who will see what their competition is doing and just wholesale lift it and test it in their business. That doesn't work. Right? If you see your competition is buying ads on Facebook, don't copy their ads because their ads might not work for you. If you see their competition is buying ads on Facebook, figure out if you should buy ads on Facebook and how you should do it. Or maybe realize that you might want to try to buy ads on LinkedIn instead as a way to differentiate. So when I'm looking at my competition, as I said, I like to figure out what they're doing and either make it better or make it irrelevant. Now, as another example, I just launched a a web TV show. And a lot of these blogs out there are starting to dive into video content. And I was looking at some of these blogs that are releasing video content. And I noticed something very strange. The video was very underproduced, right? The video was very underproduced. It wasn't that professional looking. The content was good, but the video was underproduced. So what did I do? I was like, you know what? I want to launch a web TV show also. And I decided to hire a video team to make sure all of my videos were high production value. So I kind of looked at what my competition was doing, which is they were creating video and it was working. I decided to start creating video, but instead of just making videos like them, I got a video team and now my videos stand out from their videos. I just made it better. So Derek, I just wanna, I want to um, throw a few of my own thoughts into this because I think what you're talking about is so essential. And I want to tell people that it's not just your competition that you should be looking at. As a matter of fact, you should look outside of your competition because sometimes the best innovation comes in industries that are one step removed from your circle. And I was doing research on popular bloggers in the internet marketing space of all things, which is not the space that I'm in. And I noticed that there were some podcasters and a lot of podcasters. Then I started noticing that some of my peers in the world of social media marketing were doing podcasters, podcasts as well. And I just decided we're going to do podcasts, but we're not going to just do any podcast. We're going to do the most highest production quality podcast that I've ever witnessed. So I went out and I hired Cliff Ravenscraft, who's the grandfather of podcasts, hired a guy named John Melly, who's the voice talent that you hear at the front and throughout this entire podcast and spent a lot of effort to try to produce what I consider to be, you know, high level production quality podcasts. And this, um, now a lot of my friends who are 
you could argue competitors in the social media world have come up to me and said, my gosh, you're killing it, brother. All right, we're going to up our game. And I think that's really cool because friendly competition um, actually does create a better end product for the entire community. So folks, all you got to do is look though. If you're not looking outside the window at what's going on around you, you'll never innovate. You'll never be inspired to, to growth. Do you agree? Michael, uh, just because we're talking about production value and for people who are listening, they might think that the only way to up the game is by production value, but that's not always the case. I know last year, and you'll probably be familiar with this, when, uh, when I launched Social Triggers, I did these site review videos, right, where I showed people these quickly actionable tips on how they can improve the conversion rates of blogs. And I did them with all these popular bloggers, right? How did I come up with that idea? Well, I'll tell you, I went to a conference, and at this conference, there was a site clinic session, right? And it was basically a, a live session where people showed up to the conference. There was four speakers on, on the stage where people would then be able to raise their hand and offer up their site for these experts to review in public. And this conference session was packed, standing room only, Right, I saw that. I was like, wait a second. This is working at a conference. If I take this idea, make it digital, it's going to work online too. So that's like another example of taking an idea from outside of your space. I took it from the conference world and took it to the online world. So it's not really just about production values. And I'm sure you agree with that, right? Absolutely. Um, let's talk about once you've got some really great content, regardless of whether it's you know uh, a blog or a video, one of the things that I know you're a strong proponent of, Derek, is getting people on your email list. Can you talk a little bit about some of the techniques that you use to get people to go from a passive observer to getting onto your list so that you can get permission to communicate with them regularly? It's funny that you use the word permission to communicate with them because here's how I do it. I try to get people to visit my website, socialtriggers.com. I don't promote my account. I don't promote my Facebook I make them visit my website, socialtriggers.com. Then what do I do when they're there? I blow their mind with great content, but most important, I really try to grab them by the throat and pull them onto the email list as aggressively as possible. I've got a pop-up form. I've got an opt-in form in my sidebar. I've got an opt-in form in my footer. I've got opt-in forms all over my site. It doesn't feel like it's an overwhelming amount of pop-up forms or opt-in forms or whatnot, but I'm very aggressive with using my website to convert my traffic into subscribers. That's my main strategy. And I don't promote anything else. I never, if I speak at a conference, I don't tell people to tweet me on Twitter. I give them an opt-in page where they can come opt into my email list for a free gift. You know? Yeah, so Derek, let's talk a little bit about your form because in particular your pop-up form that appears after a certain period of time has something really creative on the bottom of the form. You have a bunch of logos. Can you explain kind of what your strategy is and what you're doing there with those logos? So on, if you go to socialtriggers.com, you'll see my big pop-up that comes up. It only comes up on my single post pages, right? And pop-up is designed where it's a regular pop-up form, but at the bottom of the form, I've got the logos from magazines where I've been linked to or quoted in, right? So you'll go to socialtriggers.com, you'll see... Uh, You'll see that I've got a fast company logo, an entrepreneur magazine logo, because my website was by those websites. Now, the reason why I do just, you know, it's Robert Cialdini's idea of social proof. If I'm getting linked by entrepreneur magazine or fast company, that must mean I'm legitimate, right? To someone who's a passerby, that is an air of credibility 
that someone who doesn't have those logos, you know, I just have that instant credibility with people. Now, I'm using it at this point. However, I haven't tested whether or not it's increasing conversions yet. I kind of just have it there because I know the idea of social proof, which is people look when people are when people don't have information about a specific person, they look for signals that might signify credibility. And logo where a magazine you're featured is an example of social proof. It's an example of social proof. I think on your site you have a pop-up form at the bottom. You've got how many subscribers you have. Yeah, subscriber numbers are, are a huge thing. I mean, I, I love Cialdini and his book, Influence. It's really cool. Um, Derek, I have one more question for you. And um, this one is, I, I'd just love you to share some unique thing that you've recently discovered that you are beginning to employ in your marketing. Um, maybe it's something you heard or you saw when you were examining the competitors, but what's some sort of an actionable tip or technique that you've recently begun experimenting with that you wouldn't mind sharing with our listeners? Yeah. So it's actually, you know, there's one main thing and it's the fact that I just released Social Triggers TV, which is a web TV show. And the reason why I came up with this idea was completely by accident, actually, right? I was, over the last few months, I was speaking at all these different conferences and people would come up to me after my speaking, after my speech and they would say, hey, Derek, really glad I'm getting to meet you right now. I saw that one video when dot, 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 right? And I noticed a, a trend. Every time I met somebody, they almost always told me that they remember when they saw that one video. Here's what's funny about this. At that point, I only made like five videos over the course of a year. No one mentioned my blog posts. Everybody mentioned my videos, every single one of them. So I took that as a sign that I need to make more videos because it seemed like my audience was remembering the videos and forgetting my text content. So that's the first thing is going after this video. But if you want to get highly specific, something that I know every single person listening to this can implement, it's the idea of using click to tweet quotes, right? A lot of people right now have social media share buttons on their blog posts, right? Where they could just, oh, this to a friend or whatnot. But those are kind of, they're ubiquitous at this point. Everyone knows them and they're kind of blind to them. So what I've started doing was instead of having a simple tweet, a Twitter button, I'll find an interesting quote from the article I just wrote or from a video I just published and I'll put it in a little call out box where I, I'll, I'll have the quote in the call out box and then I'll have a little link that says click to tweet. And when people click on that link, it opens up their Twitter page with that quote pre-populated in their Twitter button, in their Twitter update box, and provides a link back to my site. People love to tweet these quotes. So that's my new, insanely practical tip that I think one could start using, is the tweet, the click to tweet quotes. Awesome, Derek. Um, and I, I do want to encourage people, it's not very hard to um, with Twitter. As a matter of fact, if you go to uh, Google and you just type in uh, Twitter uh, tweet button, 
Um, you can pre-populate any text into a tweet. It'll give you a single long URL so that when someone clicks on it, it will show up exactly that way in Twitter. And uh, we use this on a lot of our events pages. For example, when someone buys a ticket, we say click here and then it pre-populates a tweet that says I'm attending the name of this event. So, you know, making it easy for people, I think is a huge thing. And I also want to iterate, reiterate what you said about video. To my great surprise, when I'm out speaking at conferences, a lot of people come up to me and they say, oh, I love that video where you're driving in your car. That's the coolest thing. And they remember that darn thing. So there is something about that. And I think that those are brilliant tips. Um, Derek, uh, I guess this is technically the last question. If folks want to learn more about you and social triggers, where would you send them? Well, I'm not going to send them to my Twitter page or my Facebook page. I'm going to send them to socialtriggers.com. And I highly suggest people sign up for my email list where you'll get a lot of insanely practical advice for growing your business using the internet. Derek Halpern, founder of Social Triggers. Thank you so much, brother, for joining me today on this podcast. Thank you for having me. Be sure to check out Derek's website at socialtriggers.com and really study what he's doing. I mean, he's doing some really, really brilliant things and he practices what he preaches. And just by examining his content, you can learn quite a bit. Also want to remind you that the show notes for this particular episode can be found at socialmediaexaminer.com slash eight. All the uh, references that uh, we had in this podcast, you'll find there. Now, this does bring us to the end of the social media marketing podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. If you love what you've heard, even if you're not listening to this on iTunes, would you do me a huge favor? Head over to iTunes and review our show. Give us a five-star rating if you love what we're doing. This is very important because this allows people to discover the show. And of course, it gives me excellent feedback. And I just hope that you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.